0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Simwee Boon. Have you ever heard of the term, the best things in life are free? Well, one thing's for sure, whoever said that did not have kids. Children are expensive. They're also the biggest asset of a family. And while the road to raising a child isn't easy, most would say that they are worth every cent. So where do you begin? How much should you set aside and how far ahead should you plan? In conjunction with World Children's Day this Saturday, we'll be taking a look at the topic of saving for your children. Joining me to discuss this is Annie Hall, licensed financial advisor with Harveston Wealth Management. Good morning and welcome to the show, Annie. Now, before you decide to have children, what should be in your financial checklist?
1: I think first thing is, you know, your world changes when you have a child and that includes your finances, right? So before you bring like another being to the world, it is your responsibility as parents to ensure financially you're able to take care of that next person, the next being. And when planning for a child, you need to ask yourself, how much should I save for before having a child? And you need to have two things. One is the pre-baby budget and the second is the post-delivery budget. So, what is a pre-baby budget? A pre-baby budget is things like, which is mainly one of expenses like your hospital delivery bills, your confinement costs, your herbs, your supplement. You have urut ladies, for example, and your if you're a first-time parent, your essential baby items like the baby cot, baby bed, bottle, sterilizer, breast pump, you know, and also your maternal, you know, your monthly um doctor visits and consultation if you're going for private hospital for delivery. And also, of course, one more thing is that if you're not able to conceive naturally and you need assistance, like uh, assisted intervention, like IVF, you need to prepare to save up a lot more as this can cost a lot. All right. So that's for the pre-baby budget. So the post-delivery budget, on the other hand, is more of an ongoing expenses. means the baby has arrived. And now what's um, the additional expenses that the household will incur? The things like diapers, milk powder, medical insurance, Immunisation for the child if you're planning to take it in the private clinics. Because if you do it in the government clinics, um, they are free, alright? But there are um, things like childcare for when you go back to work, for example. And of course, savings for your child's education later.
0: And we'll get to that a bit later. But is there a range that you think a parent should think about first before, let's say they are planning to have a child in the months to come? Mm. Then they want to start saving now But they need a number A range uh, In their mind And and should it just be Putting it into a savings account Or is there any way To put it in And grow In the time That you are having the child
1: Okay the amount of money number 1 is depending because um depends on whether you are going to a private uh, hospital or a government hospital okay so say for example if you are opting for a private hospital a delivery can cost you between 10 to 20000 or even more depending on if whether you have um, um complications or not all right so all a confinement you do you want a confinement lady to come over to take care of the um the mom or do you want to go to a confinement center i spoke to someone and she told me like the confinement center that she was opting for would range about 15 to 20000 i was like shocked i was like wow that's a lot right now you know so all these things like for example a pre baby budget uh, i think a comfortable pre baby budget would be between um 30 to 50000 all right, but that's really comfortable. And that's providing you're going into the uh, the private hospital. So if you go to a government hospital, the bills may be just maybe a thousand. So it would be much lesser. So if you don't have a confinement lady or you don't go to a confinement center, you have someone to cook for you and all, that would that would reduce the cost by a lot more. Then of course for post-delivery budget, then every month. Things like your diapers milk powder insurance all this could come out to uh, exclude child care that could come about to 500 to a thousand as well depending on how much diapers you use right or how much <laughs> milk powder your child consumes if you're not taking a uh, uh, breast milk for example right so um and child care whether you're putting with a nanny or you're putting with a helper or you're putting with a family for example it ranges as well so but where to answer your next question is where should i put all this money for example the pre-baby budget if you are already looking at uh, having a child in the next nine months, then some to be honest, you can't really put uh, in any investment because you, this inv- it's an investment that are risks. Okay? So you need to put in somewhere that is very safe and secure. Things like maybe even just your fixed deposit or savings account because you already need to use that money in the short term.
0: Okay. So, you know, life can spring surprises and sometimes you, you might plan for next year or year or so, but something might happen along the way. You might have emergency funds that have been put away for emergencies, not child emergencies. What are your thoughts on maybe perhaps shifting a bit of their emergency funds to this new chapter, just in case you have an unplanned uh, child on the way?
1: Okay. I think before the emergency, when the emergency funds that you set up before you have a child, right? It was for, I'm sure it was for a different purpose. Like if you lose a job or if your car break down or if your house roof leak, you know, you need these funds for that. I don't suppose it was for having a baby. All right. So I would recommend to have a separate baby fund, like a separate family planning fund kind of thing. Right. So because what if you use up this amount to have the child and then touch wood lah. you know you lose your income for example how are you and your newborn going to survive you know where are you going to find money to buy diapers and milk powder you don't want that kind of financial stress when you're expecting so ideally you should have another fund for this purpose if it's a planned pregnancy if it's not a planned pregnancy yes then you might need to use some of these funds for uh, emergency funds of uh, some of these emergency funds to have the baby but you need to build that emergency funds back up again
0: Okay, so now that you have a child, we should look at the future. And, you know, education aside, because I think everyone knows that, like, once you have a kid, education is the most important thing you need to spend on, one of the it. But outside of education, what should the parent then begin to look into to save, maybe to start consider investing for the child's um, growth?
1: Okay, I think I noticed many parents' uh, first objective is when they have a child, right, is to speak to us to say, let's, co- let's create a college fund for the child, you know, as soon as the child is born. But I would say, hang on, because there are a few things that you need to take care of first. Um, I think that's about five. Number one is the emergency funds, all right? Do you have the emergency, your family emergency funds? If you have used it or you do not have it, you need to start building that up first, then number two, if you have not secured your insurance for your little one, for your, your baby, then that's the next thing you should do because many insurance companies now, now has already covered the child while the child is in the while the baby is in the mother's womb. All right. But if you did not like, you know, elect for that and then um, the child is born, you should not delay any further and cover the child's medical um, insurance, for example, because the admission to hospital is really expensive. You know, um, I I know of uh, even my niece was previously admitted and it was one week of admission for viral viral infection was about six thousand ringgit. You know, so all this can take away the child's college savings and education if you do not have that plan all right? Number three is that you need to anticipate about childcare, okay? When your maternity leave is over, who is taking care of your child, all right? Because all this will add on to your existing um, household expenses, okay? Number four, you also need to look, and this is something that a lot of people overlook. They look at buying insurance for their child, but then they overlook to see whether they themselves have adequate coverage all right because previously they could be single or could be just you know they got married you know it was just the both of them but now you have a new new person a new dependent and this new dependent you cannot leave the new dependent helpless right because should anything unforeseen circumstances happen all right you want to ensure that you leave monies behind for the child's maintenance for the child's education you know because even, even even the even I tell people like even you start now with an education plan, that plan will not will not make a lot of money immediately. That won't be enough for them, for their maintenance and education. That's why number four is that you they need to look at their own insurance coverage. Okay. Number five, they also, parents should also need to look at a strong estate planning, which includes a will and trust to ensure that whatever planning you have done for the child in the event of your absence, it will materialize. The lastly, then they can start looking at saving and investing for their children's college funds or other education that they want to plan for the child. And if you can't do all like one shot, I would suggest that f- complete the I- items above, the one, two, three, four, five, and then start off the college funds even a year or two later, that's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, let's... let's uh pick up on the insurance part first because um, that's an also very important point. Now, insurance comes in many forms and um, as you said, you know, most of the times you would probably have your own insurance. So when you have a child, does it make better sense to change that single plan to a family plan and include the child in or is it better to get a standalone insurance plan for your child?
1: Okay, it depends because some insurance company offer a family package, like a family medical plan. But based on experience, it's actually more worthwhile if you have three children and above. If you have two or one child, it is actually more suitable and worthwhile to just get a standalone plan for your child, for that particular child. So it's no point mixing or or combining into a family plan. I've not seen any um, family plan that suits like two parents and a child.
0: And we'll be taking a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Simwee Boon. Today's topic is your children and how to save for them. And joining me to discuss this is Annie Hall, Licensed Financial Advisor with Harvest and Wealth Management. Annie, I want to go back to the conversation on education. How does one go about it for their children? Break it down first.
1: Okay. So, of course, when you want to save for your children's education, you need to ask, number one is what type of education plan are you saving for? It may sound really like, you know, my child hasn't even rolled and I have something to save up for his or her education, you know, college education, right? But you, and you wouldn't know what your daughter or your son wants to study, but you need to set some kind of money, whether is it for his his or her college fees, whether it's local or abroad, you need to have at least a, a, a basic, a, a basic, uh, plan okay or or is it could it or could it be you also want to send the child for private uh or international school during their high school years you know so what are the be specific on what education plan are we talking about because used to be people just want to say for their college and university fees but right now with you know um with parents sending one thing to have the option to send them um um to government not so to non-government school for example that is uh, something that they need to also look at their finances. Number two is how much can you set, how are you planning to set aside for this monthly or yearly, for example. Okay. Is it a couple hundred dollars, a couple of thousand dollars? What, what is that amount? And of course, the next thing is how much time do you have this to set this up? All right. Because are you starting it as soon as the child is born? Then maybe you have 18 years. All right. If you're doing it midway, say I only started like when my child now is in high school, how many time, how, much, how much time do you have? And of course, number four is what investment vehicles are you planning to put in to achieve this? Are you planning to put in just your know, fixed deposit or SSPN or unit trust or stock market or property? What you need to or insurance schemes or whatever out there. So you need to ask yourself what. So these four questions
0: okay but then let's say just basically with two the two things that you've outlined you know like let's say i have the means to start off when my child is just born what's the best way to go about it then and then uh, to follow up that let's say i'm starting out halfway maybe when my child is like 10 11 years old going into yeah. high school how do how do then you know let's i mean break down the investment timeline
1: okay so for example if let's say we're just looking at college fees in in the next eighteen years all right so you have 18 years to build up a college fee say then of course you ask yourself oh okay it will be local 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 college fees local college fees maybe say about uh, 300000 then we work backwards to say 300000 um over 18 years and then, and then of course the inflation how much would that be in a year so we do a calculation and we say that okay for example you need to save and just giving example like you need to save for 500 dollars an example 500 ringgit a month for the next 18 years example all right, to achieve that particular goal. Then whether this $500, do we put it in uh, which, which which investment vehicle? That's for people who start early. Lah. All right? But if you are like, oh, I only have six years to grow my money for education. What are my options? Alright, Then you have to look at what are your existing resources that you have. If you have not done anything, then how much can you save right now to achieve that? It will be very much harder if you ask me uh, if you do it midway, okay? But not to say you can't, whether it is just, but I would say sometimes when you do it midway, sometimes people take aggressive, but they are very aggressive. They take very aggressive risks. They take a lot of risks, right? Um, which is sometimes very risky because when it comes to education, you might lose everything or they might go into some, Um, I would say sometimes, uh, a lot like skim cepat you know? scams out there so we just got to be very careful
0: does it make sense to look at let's say if you are catching up you don't have the time and the luxury to keep on saving and you know the money is not growing as much does it make sense to start looking at aids like scholarships and other financial aids that may help supplement your um, your plans to save up for education for your child Um, or is that too dependent on luck or certain situations
1: Okay, I think scholarships are of course it depends on the results of the child uh, the and also of course of the availability. Because if every child in Malaysia is looking for a scholarship, that's, I, I don't think that's gonna happen because you know everybody needs to anybody, everybody needs education, but unfortunately the scholarship is not available for every child, right? So but of course there are student loans like PTPTN which are available. All right. That could also assist in um partial of the fees, for example.
0: But like do, should you factor that into your plan, your fund already? Like because you know people are gonna like you said, you have to relook at what you have, right? And some people are like, really okay, maybe I can set aside 30% of my goal to this PTPN loan. But is that too depending on the child getting that loan?
1: Yeah, I would say I would say ideally as parents, we should be the ones setting aside for them. All right. You could I mean. I mean, all parents would want the best for their child, all right? But if if you can't afford overseas, um overseas education, you can only afford local, then look at local. Maybe you cannot afford a private local, maybe you can go to the uh the local, local universities, for example, then go for the local universities first, right? So it's always about choice. There's always choices when it comes to education, but Never, never, um, what I see with parents is, especially when it comes to, this is when this topic is, you know, when it comes to private and um, private and international schools these days, a lot of parents actually use up their credit, use their leverage on their credit card to pay for the school fees, knowing that they can't afford. That's scary because it means that you don't have the funds to actually send one child or even two children to that school why do you want to send the children to that school? You can always opt for the government school out there. All right. So, but why do you pay so much and maybe, you know, um, increase your household debt, increase your credit card debt and end up your children don't even have money. You don't even have enough money to save for your children's college fees and university's fees for that matter. So this is something that is not just about tertiary, whether you depend on your depend on scholarship or loans for that matter. It is a common problem I see right now with um, um, people don't have enough, and they're sending the the, their children to good schools to schools that, unfortunately, their finances cannot cope up with it.
0: You know, there is this thing where the parents always make it known to their child that, like, I'm already spending so much on you. I'm already spending so much on your studies. You know, what do you think about exposing the child to the amount of money? You, you don't have to, I mean, not not down to the detail, but, you know, like parents, I, I'm, I'm not sure if this is how it is now, but, you know, 10 years ago, you know, parents tend to um, make it known to their child that I've spent a lot on your education, you know. Do you think that is beneficial or is that actually detrimental? Because it might put undue stress as well and not allow them to discover or grow. You know, how can you go about it?
1: I think for me, um, because I'm a new parent as well, I, I might go on that route as well. Like, you know, I want, I'm, I'm it's not, but the purpose of sharing, like, let's say the fees, or I'm spending this amount of money for this amount of school fees, or I'm sending you to badminton classes every month, it costs me this, for example. You know, the whole idea is not to stress the child. I think for me, if I, I look at it, it's more of a, let's be honest about finances. Let's be honest and be transparent about what, what these things cost right rather than i think you know i i don't um i rather parents be honest to their children rather than they shoulder all the fight like, all the bills and they hide you know and they cover it like say yes yes i can handle it i can handle it and the child doesn't know anything all right of course the child's job is not to uh the child's job is just to maybe study and get good grades and be a good person at the end of the day. But as parents, sometimes I think it starts from the beginning, it starts from young, all right? So if, for example, it is cultivated from the beginning that, oh, okay, here hey, hey daughter, hey son, you know, um I put your money into the savings account, I put the money in investment and show it to them, like how is your investment increasing? How is your savings accounts, uh, interest increasing? If you start them young, they know the value of money and they understand that this money perhaps is also going into some education expenses, for example, then they won't feel like, oh, you know, it's all like, like what you said earlier, like 10 years ago or five years ago, like, hey, spending a lot of money on your education. They don't feel like, where did that come from? Why do you suddenly tell me that? A lot of parents I think maybe come from that route was just, Maybe they was stress or something, but I think for me, I think for for me rather it was it is more to empower the child to actually also take action and take understanding financial responsibility on their own finances in the future. It starts young, Starts from from, so, starts from the beginning.
0: So how young are we talking about before you start building this financial foundation, this incorporating mm. these financial values to your child? Is it as soon as they can understand? Um, numbers and concepts of like you know buying and selling and stuff like that, or do you wait until they become a bit older when it's time to give them an allowance? Then only you talk about money.
1: It's it's really subjective. It, um for my for my daughter she's only two years old. But um, what I did was when I when she was one years old I gave her a small little piggy bank, and I gave every time I give her a coin she will know that to put the coin inside the piggy bank. For her it is just play. She doesn't know what's a coin. She doesn't know the value of a coin. She knows that every time she receives a coin, she puts into the piggy bank. Okay? So that is one one activity that you can do with your child. All right? But because my child does not understand the value of money and she doesn't know numbers yet. But... Depending on the, your, your child's uh, growth and performance, in your child's growth and development, then you can, for example, you know, if your child received Angpao, you right for Chinese New Year or birthday, then you can always guide them to say, tell them that, hey, you know, I'm putting your money into um, the savings account and I'm showing you, as soon as they understand how to read numbers, you can show them that the bank statements, you can show them the bank book. You know, we, how we used to have a bank book when we were a kid. Right. So or we used to have I, I still have bank. But I still update my child's bank book because I'm traditional in that way that <laughs> I want her to see the figures, the increment of the figures. That it's not just money per se. Um I, I have even a colleague who actually taught her her she her, she she does trading, like stocks trading, and her son, who is I think in her in a primary school, is also very engaging in what's the parents doing, what stock tradings are they doing. So the pet the children follows you you lead by example if they see you spend money every week in shopping malls they will also probably do the same
0: when at what age should you then start being a bit more transparent about things like financial difficulties things about like you know the real the, the real deal like you know like um things that is not as simple as just saving money or should that be something that they discover themselves and come up to you to talk about
1: it really depends on the situation um because i'm also a new parent i haven't encountered that yet but i would say that i if if, if, it, if it is for me i would also i mean if i was a child i and i was at 7 years old or 8 years old and if my parents tells me that oh i cannot afford we cannot afford to go on a holiday we we can just stay home on the school holidays i think i would be okay you know, I, I would rather you tell me that rather than me thinking, why, why are all my friends going on school holiday? You know, they're going on holidays, they're going abroad and we are just stuck at home. You know what I mean? So parents, children are really smart these days. If you are able to communicate that to them, they can understand.
0: So the earlier parts, we've talked about insurance, we talked about education, but outside of that, there are other expenses, you know, which are not hospitals and all, which are more fluid, you know, the out-of-school expenses, skill-building activities... If you have the means to give them to your child, you know, if you have the means to sign them up for classes and whatnot and that, that might play to interest, is there a way to go about it? Is it a let's, go, let's build it up as they grow up or maybe is, there, is it better to maybe start thinking about it at a younger age and then let them try it and save, uh, put the money aside for that?
1: I tell you, as new parents, all of us want to do everything for our child. <laughs> You're <Yeah. laughs> gonna send them here, 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 everywhere. Okay. And, and I think, of course, you know, um, signing up for upskilling classes or activities that you know uh, resonates with your child's interest, right, is really good. You should set set aside a budget for this. But these things cost money, yeah. Every month, there's activities, the X out of the school lessons, all this cost money. So if you only have um um budget for one then you just need to focus on one and if your child is big enough let the child choose do you want to go for badminton or do you want to go for swimming classes because mama can only afford one this month or this year all right you can choose another class next year but this year you've got to maybe choose one class that you think you want for example if you can do two you can do three by all means all right but poor child you know got so many activities to do right there's math, there's language classes, then later there's coding classes, you know. So there's a lot of classes out there right now. So um, pick and choose. Of course, if budget is, is something that is very, is of a concern, then you need to choose. And especially if, if you have just one child, it's easy. If you have two or three children, they're talking about two times, three times more. All right. So maybe you cannot send, I guess, I cannot scan, send send three classes for per child anymore, right? or of course, for like younger children right now, there are there are a lot of sensory classes. I don't know whether you heard of. There's a lot of, you know, go sensory, social classes. You can also go for those classes. But if you cannot afford them, just DIY at home. Lah.
0: Yep, yep. Mm. Okay, um, um, what do you think are the common mistakes that parents usually make when investing in their child's future?
1: Um. Okay, number one, I think, is they don't take enough risks. And if they have 18 years to build their child's education, putting money in savings account and discounting the inflation will not help grow your child's money. Okay. So they should, parents should look at uh, investment vehicles to grow their child's money. Number two, let's see, um, they don't do the steps that I mentioned earlier, such as the number one emergency funds for the household, the baby insurance. Looking at the parents' insurance, the wheel writing, you know, they just focus on. I want to create a college fund. So this is something that parents should avoid. They should look at the steps, the baby steps first before looking at building up the college fund. Okay. Um. Number three. Three. I think the other one would be not doing a proper calculation on to a how much do they actually need? How much does a child actually need for education? Okay, well, let's say the college fees, local or whatnot, or or and spending too much, for example, on the current, um, like the private school fees right now, and foregoing the the college fees.
0: Lastly, I just want to spend some time yeah. on estate planning because you did touch on that as your top five yeah. things to sort out. How important is estate planning, and how do you even start to think about this? Because the thinking, I think, is quite strange. Right here, you are. Giving life, but at the same time you're thinking about the end of a life or something similar to that. Uh, that uh, that thing. So how how do you go about it then?
1: It's very important because um, when when every time I speak to someone who is married and have a child, I tell them that you know what whatever planning you've done, your college fees or your college education, you need to tie it back to estate planning because what. Is always a what if something happens to you? What if tomorrow never comes for you? Then you want to ensure that whatever asset you have left behind lives with a purpose, with a meaningful, with a meaningful decision, or or, or meaningful for the children, for example. All right. So if you don't have, for example, a will or a trust that was set up for your child, then. Say, for example, Sim, if suddenly you are 18 years old and you inherited 5 million from your parents, what are you going to do with 5 million? And you're 18 years old, you know, so you may not be able to make great financial decisions like your parents, for example, and, 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 and you don't want to spoil your children that, hey, money comes easy, I don't need to work for the rest of my life you know i have 5 million left by my parents you want to ensure that they get the money with and and able to handle the money properly all right or for, that that is for later stage but what if uh, estate planning is not just about will writing it's also about ensuring that you have left enough money behind for them to sustain their lifestyle like sustain their maintenance for example if you have a guardian who's going to take care of your child all right and the guardian also have their own sets of financial problems. You want know, to give your child to the, 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 the your, your guardian and then the guardian's like, okay, I'll take care of you, but you need to make sure you leave money behind so that I can take care of your child because I already have my own set of financial issues. right? So you don't want to um, uh, put another problem to another person. Right? So estate planning is a, is a big, it's not just about writing a will and giving your wishes away.
0: And that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been talking to Annie Ho, a licensed financial advisor with Harveston Wealth Management. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. If you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to send them to ringgit at bfm.my or WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. We've got a 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise. I'm Sim Boon, signing off for The Morning Run.